0: Excited to preach a message to you. Uh, The message is called the Picture Perfect Marriage. (laughs) And we get some chuckles already. All right, the Picture Perfect Marriage. And you'll understand a little bit more about this when we we start to get into it. And And I pray that it will just change your life. You know, the week before last, I began painting a picture, a very humanly abnormal picture of Christ bending the knee in a marriage proposal to unworthy mankind. It is an unusual picture that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, would seek His bride among sinful mankind that the worthy would give his life for the unworthy it is the Cinderella story there's a reason Cinderella is popular folks you may not you may think it's some some great creator who came up with the idea no that idea was already there God just allowed it to shout about him the world loves the Cinderella story the underdog story because there is truth wrapped around the picture of it. Remember, in the seeking for his true bride, the, the prince, he offers anybody his hand, their hand in marriage to him who fit the slipper that was given to all. Even the wicked stepmother and the wicked stepsisters were given the opportunity but only the one who fits the slipper becomes the bride. Who is it that fits the slipper unto salvation and engagement to the future king? Who is the king who would search among the lowest of class for a bride? Who is this noble bridegroom, prince and heir to the throne? Christians, are the Cinderella in the Cinderella story. Beat down and ridiculed in this world, living a life of service in the likeness and adoration of her fiancé, the Lord Jesus Christ, as her wicked stepsisters of the world look down upon her, use her, and try to make her the ugly, hopeless case. She, the bride. One day will be brought up to honor and majesty, called to the marriage supper of the Lamb to be forever with the Lord one day. James chapter 2, verse 5 it says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? Hey, okay, this picture is not happenstance. Neither is there any happenstance in the order of any of God's creation. Every piece of it is crying out to the majesty and glory of God. Psalm 19, 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Luke 12, 6 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Now, what I want to pull out of this verse is, (laughs) the hairs on our head are not happenstance. It's part of design. Everything that you see, folks, and you need to get a hold of this, and you better get a hold of it in your marriage or your marriage is in trouble. (coughs) You need to see the picture of things. Brother Mike talked about our relationship with the Lord this morning. It's a picture of what the bride is to be to Christ. It's the picture of what the woman is to be to the husband in marriage. We'll get a little deeper into this. But God knows everything. Everything's of a design. Everything's screaming at you. It's just that we just go through blinders. We're happenstance. (laughs) And there's a problem with that. You know, at Close to Home in a men's Bible study, we've been going through chapter 3 and chapter 4 of John. Chapter 3, Jesus uses many illustrative pictures to Nicodemus. And in chapter 4, he speaks of life-giving water to the woman at the well. Now Jesus, time and time again, would use earthly things to help explain spiritual things. They're there for us to learn from. He told Nicodemus, If I have told you of earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? I don't think there is any greater, more wonderful picture in human life on this earth than that picture of marriage. This picture was a mystery, folks, in the Old Testament. Until it became alive when Christ came on the scene because He fulfilled what the marriage picture is. You know, the first marriage of Adam and Eve depicted something of a picture of Christ. Genesis 3, 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now there's an interesting scripture. Sometimes... There's very few words to talk about a certain situation. And you have to look and understand the pictures of it. To understand the Bible, you're going to have to understand pictures that are painted. Or you're going to flounder around. 1 Timothy 2.14 says, And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now I'm going to take a little liberty here in a picture. Liberty to explain this scripture by and through the picture of it. Why did Adam eat of the fruit that was given to him by the woman? I suggest that he ate because she ate. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the results, he was going to be with her. He had a love for Eve and was not willing to live without her. He gave his life that they might live together. That's just what I see in the pictures. the only thing I can explain of that scripture. You may say, well, there's much reading into this. Maybe there is. But Andy Follett just read of a hymn writer who was traveling with his wife on a train when the bridge collapsed under it. He survived, but even after being told that he should not go into that burning uh, Cabin there uh, of the train. But he went in anyway, stating that if I perish, he will perish with her. And guess what he did? He perished with her because he loved her. This is a picture of the greatest love probably a human can have. Romans 5 7 For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But Jesus' love, however, was a great step above that of the most noble and great love man has ever done. But God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, when we were in the helpless, most hopeless, unworthy state, Christ died for us. Jesus came from His godly throne Put on man's filthy flesh. Ran into the burning fire of hell's judgment upon you and I. You might say He took upon all the sins of the world. He paid for them by crucifixion and death on a cross. However, He did not perish because He was unharmed of the fire because of the sinless state He held. And He held out His hand and holds out His hand to every person who would reach out to Him by faith to be saved out of a fiery judgment of hell. That's an amazing thing, folks. That's a humbling thing. Jesus came from His godly throne to do this. All this imagery of marriage and the spiritual truth from it was a mystery to the saints of the Old Testament. Ephesians 5, 21, beginning verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, in everything. Everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, That He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word. That He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they they too shall be one flesh. Here's the verse. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Mark 12:25 says, "For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven." Let me give you some other Scriptures in Luke chapter 20, it says, Then came to him certain of the Sadducees, which deny that there is any resurrection, and asked him. And this is kind of funny because they deny the resurrection, but they're going to ask him about the resurrection, what happens in the resurrection. Saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If any man's brother die, having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there's a reason for this. We're not going to get into that. This morning. There were therefore seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her to wife, and he died childless. And the third took her, and in the like manner the seven also, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman dies also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage. But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead. And this is all tied to the resurrection. I hope maybe the Lord just uh, sink that into your heart on his own there. Neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die. (laughs) Hallelujah. Anymore for they are equal unto the angels. And are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. One day we will be resurrected. Brother Mike was talking about that resurrection last week. Man, I get excited. What is the picture of this earthly marriage, seeing it has no eternal landing? I tell you, I struggle with it. I'm like, Patty's not going to be my wife in heaven. It just shows how earthly and how, how things are, but there's a good thing in that as well. So what's the purpose of this thing? What's the purpose of this marriage? It, doesn't, it, it, it ends at eternity. I say unto you who are saved and married, or who seek to be married, that you must understand this picture, or your marriage is in danger and or full of difficulties that don't belong in it. Since there seems to be little difference in the happiness and survival rate of earthly or heathen and Christian marriages, I believe it is because Christians fail to see the most wonderful picture that their marriages represent, and to be in awe of it, (laughs) to seek the power of it, to be entrenched in it. Let me put it to you this way. Even if your marriage survives for 75 years or more, it does not mean it was a successful marriage. For instance, Some marriages continue based on separation. He is free to do his thing. She is free to do her thing. When they come together, it's for a fling. You divide things up pretty evenly so you can enjoy the things he likes and she can enjoy the things she likes. And so each can be mutually benefited with little sacrifice. Marriages with these type of agreements sometimes agree to not having children some marriages stay alive for the sake of the children and that is a noble thing to do and i'm glad that there are some that think more about their children than themselves that's a good thing but it is a shame that they don't think more one for another than for themselves what an ugly picture of marriage to their children that they're painting some marriages stay together because the right temptation has not come their way to take what they think could be a better deal in marriage. They may not go looking for it, but if it comes looking for them, who knows what might happen. Sometimes the financial picture keeps people together, knowing that a separation or a divorce would cause a financial hardship. Sometimes people remain together because it's, it's just the right thing to do. And th- though that may be true, they miss the point, the pleasure, the bliss, and fulfillment there is in marriage. While other marriages are built upon bondage and fear. That's how they're held together. There are cultic religions who forcefully keep marriages together there's cultic religions that force certain things to to keep you close to God that's but that's not what it's about sometimes you're just so old (laughs) you just don't want a change they've gathered their memories together in old stories and they'll just live it out that way You just stubbornly live with the old man or the old woman. (laughs) The same reason you won't move out of the house, even though there's something more suitable and better for you. Because this is just the way it is. I'm not... I don't care if your marriage lasts a hundred years. It just means somehow it's survived. (laughs) But when a marriage is lived based on Christ... In his church, it's a thriving marriage. It's a supernatural marriage. It is a God honoring marriage which magnifies, lifts up, and points people to Christ. A successful marriage is not measured by the length of it, it is measured by the picture of it. And from this basis, I would like to present. To the best of my ability, what is the perfect picture? Marriage. Let's pray. Father, we are so earthly. We view things from a self-serving standpoint. We look at things on earth like it's happenstance. We forget to see the God of all gods who is in this thing. And we become just like the world, and a statistic pretty close to it. Father, I pray that husbands and wives, and those to be husbands and wives would see this picture that they would fall in love with it, that they would obey the picture that you ask us to paint in our marriages. Now, Father, I pray you just bless the rest of this service and and the messages to come. For We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's going to take a few... Messages, two or maybe three messages to present this whole material. Um, it's something I had on my mind for a while. And going on vacation, I was able to get up early in the morning and to begin to just write notes and just get them down. Um, and then just try to organize these the best I can. But I'm going to base this on a few foundational thoughts. Number one, God's work. In particular, the relationship characteristics between Christ and the church, the relationship of Christ and the believer, the relationship between a husband and a wife. Number two is on the foundation that there is a known earthly picture of engagement, And marriage, that the world, the saved and the unsaved, recognizes and displays as true, pure, and honorable. A picture that Satan seeks to destroy and to change and to manipulate. But even the world will write their movies. And it will have godly things in them. Because it's in us. Thirdly, a belief that there is nothing in this world, no person, no place or thing that exists on this earth that is happenstance to God, but that God has ordained all these things to form clear pictures of what is evil and what is good. It is the knowledge of good and evil. The world, when viewed in truth and honesty, reveals the grandeur, the beauty, the knowledge, And wisdom of God. I believe that with all my heart. I don't see how you can imagine any other kind of God. Otherwise, he ceases to be God. If pictures are worth a thousand words, (laughs) and we have the inexhaustible Word of God that we study and study and never exhaust in our life, God's creation and pictures represented are multiplied by a thousand times of his words. In this message, you will be drawn in several different comparisons. And you'll jump back and forth. It may get a little mind-boggling. Some of the things you just may need to let sit and ponder them in your heart. Some of you will know this and this and understand this comparison, but then all of a sudden, I never thought about that. That's good. Think about it. You'll be drawn to compare natural marriage to that of Christ and the church. You'll begin to see your role in the marriage to be likened to the role of the church as the wife and as the role of Jesus Christ as the husband. Number two, should your minds wander in this direction, you'll begin to examine your spiritual role as being the bride of Christ. In this case, whether man or woman, we are spiritually the bride of Christ. So, at times, you'll understand who you are as the husband and as Christ and how you are to be to your wife. But in the same sense, you're going to see yourself as the wife, even as a man, that you're the bride of Christ. And you're going to see things here that says, that's not good for there. And you're going to see yourself in those positions. And it should humble you and draw you closer to him. You also may be tempted to let your mind wander in the direction of the spouse's responsibility to you. This is a dangerous area to wander in. The book of Ecclesiastes Solomon had a sore travail to see things how they really are vanity of vanities (laughs) I mean it crumbled him to see how things are he's not but we're not to belong there there is a truth there though there's truth in these thoughts it is an area where we begin to see the many shortcomings of our spouse where feelings of great disappointment and criticism can haunt the mind. It's an area where God's perspective can get pushed aside to a self-serving view. It is a weight that will pull you down if you spend much time there. This is the area most marriages of the world resigned it. The common marriages of today, both Christian and non-Christian, are rooted in a mutually beneficial relationship. Boy, doesn't that sound good? But that is not what marriage is about. And it is the very reason many marriages fail. Marriages in this world are plagued by sin. They are doomed from the start. Every marriage, Christian or non-Christian, Though there are benefits to one another in marriage, there is no place of mutual benefit. Sometimes plain out sin or irresponsibility crumbles mutual beneficial relationships. Other times the circumstances of sin, an accident or a sickness, will tip the mutual beneficial relationship to one side or the other. As in the case of my sister Ann, which many of you know right now, who has been taking care of her husband, John, with great, amazing difficulty. She is in hardship in her marriage. There's no mutual thing to it. It is very, very one-sided. There are all sorts of inequalities that can and will happen in marriages where the scales of benefit severely slide, especially when you get older. Sin. I'll tell you what, every time there's a sickness or problems, (laughs) we ought to hate sin all the more. That's why. We can't get out of it. We must deal with those things those who view marriage as mutually beneficial relationships will be challenged to separate and divorce or perhaps alter their relationship so that they can be served better. But do the accepted traditional vows we take represent a mutual beneficial marriage in sickness and in health for better Or for worse, for the wife to obey, (laughs) the husband to cherish his wife till death do you part. You took those vows. Unless you wiped them away and created a false marriage from the start. Marriage is not a mutual beneficial relationship. It is the picture of Christ and the church. The one each playing their part. And when we understand and play our part, it overcomes the devastation by a sin-sick world. It is true love. It is unconditional love agape love, the kind of love that God has. The world can't attain it. 1 Corinthians thirteen four. Charity suffereth long in is kind, Charity envieth not, Charity vaunteth not itself, It is not puffed up, Doth not behave itself unseemly, Seeketh no, not her own, Is not easily provoked, Thinketh no evil, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, But rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And in verse A, charity never faileth. By the way, I'm going to give you a secret for marriage. The fulfillment in marriage is you playing the part you were designed to fulfill. And it is not Dependent on the other half doing their part. Each Christian paints their part in marriage before God. Sometimes that picture is a beautiful life full of earthly pleasure, each playing their part in perfect harmony together. While other times the picture is one of difficulty and sorrow. Ephesians 4:2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Though this picture of difficulty in marriage may not be very pretty from the outside, it is perhaps the most descriptive of God's great love to mankind. When the other isn't doing their part, but you're doing your part, that's Christ. Christ never fails you. Hear me now? He never, never fails you, regardless of how we fail Him. That is love. Man, think about that. Think about the picture you're painting to your wife. So I'm just going to, go into, I'm going to go into a few questions I'm going to ask you and some pictures that we can see in the Word of God. And then we'll just pick up next week on it. But who does the seeking in marriage? Does the woman seek the man or does the man seek the woman? Now, we might chuckle about that. Maybe I should say, who should be doing the seeking in the marriage? And there are some pretty big warnings of mankind trying to change that picture of marriage. The picture of the roles of men and women, the definitions of marriage, and the picture of family. We better be careful. You say, oh, you're just an old fogey. Hey, I wasn't an old fogey back then. I'm not an old fogey. This is just the truth. Bible talks about doesn't not even nature teach you some things. The things of the world they come and they go, the fashions, the fads and uh, God is God. Psalm 14:1 The fool hath said in his heart there is no god; they are corrupt, they have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Romans 3.10 repeats this, or references this Old Testament scripture. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. God came after us. We didn't seek it. They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. A women. And your marriage. This is the part you represent. This is going to be tough. Do you want to paint the picture and be and live in the joy of Jesus Christ and who He is? Speaking to Zacchaeus, and Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for us. Romans 5 6. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet peradventure for a good man. Someone even dared to die, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who does the proposing? The man or the woman? I know these days it could look kind of different. But that's not The way it is. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Second Corinthians six two, for he saith, I have heard thee in the accept in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. There's a time when Christ proposes to you His life for you to give your life fully and wholly to Him. And that's the time at that proposal that you answer. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who does the proposing, the man or the woman? But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient, gainsaying people. There are three things that have stood the test of time and marriage proposal from the man to the woman. The man, the one with everything, the one with the supply. The one who has the commitment to provide the security on bended knee in humility as a servant offers his life for a wife. That's why men are, women, you know, typically don't get scared at the altar. The guys kind of realize things are going to change big time. And the nervous feet, the knees start to shake. This is a big commitment. And then his words are clearly stated Will you marry me? And a ring, a token of promise. Does it sound familiar the Lord of lords gives his life for your salvation with a clear calling whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved the holy spirit given as a token of promise to come and till he comes to receive his bride Can I have somebody's wedding ring for a second? If you could pull it off. (laughs) Get nervous. God gave us the Holy Spirit. A promise. He's coming to receive us to be his bride. We're engaged. We're going to talk a little bit more about this ring in a moment. And what all that represents. But spiritually, that's the Spirit of God that He gives to you. He says He's going away, but He gives us a comforter. Comforting, You got a ring. You got a ring, all those girls. I got a ring. Look at my ring. What does all that mean? I guess I can't really stop here. Let's talk about, about that. Who accepts or rejects the marriage proposal? Luke 9, 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me in my words, and of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. You turn down his proposal, he turns you down. Or Luke 12, 8. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. You know, somebody who's accepted Christ, somebody who's accepted a marriage proposal, aren't they quiet about it? you got to be kidding. Man, it's blasted all over the place. Phone calls are going, look at my ring. See my ring. Does it sound like your marriage? What object offered a woman when the man proposes, and what does it represent, and what does it do for her? A ring is a promise to receive you into marriage. It gives peace, comfort, and joy. Think about it. You look at that ring. That ring, before you're married, it speaks to you. It speaks of Him. What's the Holy Spirit? Do it speaks of Him. It reminds you of Him. What's to come? What's, what's coming? Your commitment. Your commitment. His commitment. John fourteen sixteen. Now pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. And that's pretty interesting, isn't it? You know, you'd think when the engagement ring comes off and the wedding ring comes on, you don't need the engagement ring, but they're together, aren't they? You're going to be forever. With the Holy Spirit and with Christ, with God, the whole Trinity. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. All the things of the bridegroom and what he said represented in that promise of a ring that you look at. Ephesians 1.13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. But there's a warning to that holder of that Holy Spirit ring, as I'm calling it. Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption first John 2:12 2:15 love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him somebody who is engaged probably ought to be a pretty short engagement <laughs> don't give opportunity for any thoughts other than him to come into place John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For I go not away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. We'll talk about what is he going away for? What does the husband do when he gives the engagement ring? What does he do from there to the marriage? We'll talk about that. A little bit next week. I hope you're getting some of the picture. I hope God's reaching deep inside of you. I tell you, you need to erase some thoughts of what your marriage is. You need to see Christ in the church. Let's pray. Father, as we've introduced these thoughts of marriage, they're extremely powerful. They are un- failing if we live them in the spirit as it was designed to be lived in now father I pray you just speak to our hearts as we go through many many different aspects of marriage it's amazing the pictures that are there you've been painting them we've just been ignoring them choose to look at our marriage as the world looks at it. That's a a certain area of failure. Father, most of all, may we have magnified you in our life today. Put you where you're supposed to be to see our failures as the bride and to be drawn closer to you and a closer relationship with you we'll learn exactly what all that means here through your word and through some other pictures it gets better and stronger Lord may each family here, may each person be here to hear these messages if they can't hear them to get them And listen to them online if they don't know how to ask Andy. who would love to show you how to get on to do that. It's that important. Father, we want to tell you we love you. If we love you, we'll keep your commandments. Now, Father, I pray that you'd speak to each heart in these last few moments here as a pianist ends her song. Amen. Amen. There's so much, so much here in the Word of God concerning your marriage. And what a marriage it can be. And it's not based on circumstances. It's based on a picture that you can paint for God. Okay? I want you to just dwell upon that. Think upon that next week and maybe another week. It might take another week to get through this. But it's exciting. It's exciting. We have the power to overcome in our marriages. And it's through Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessed word. Uh, Dismiss us with your care. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.